0: back we are back welcome everyone to match point number nine a tennis bets podcast i wanted to co host here david ej Berger. you can find our show handle at mp9 tennis on x and all the socials you can find our show on spotify apple podcasts pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts these days please do subscribe if you're a first-time listener chance starts how you found us if you're a returning listener a returning champion welcome back i'm based in california and i'm tossing it to my main man in Canada, Mr. John Reed. You can find him at Jared Tweed's Tennis. He does betting content for his own brand, Tidbits Tennis. He writes for the Action Network Betting Expert. He does post-match analysis for the Tennis Form Ticker. John, it's been too long. Welcome in. Good to chat some tennis with you here, buddy.
1: Yeah, busy month, man. Busy month. Got, uh... Oh, God, I can't remember what I was covering last week now. I... I'm blanking on it. Dallas, right? The Dallas-Delray Beach. Next week, I'll be on Cabo, and then I think Santiago. So... Really busy four week stretch before Indian Wells, basically watching every single singles ma- every single singles match from those four tournaments and writing them up. So I mean, uh, yeah, busy times. Obviously got the Patreon stuff going as well, and then my own bets and handicapping, and it's it's uh, it takes up a lot of hours of the day.
0: Oh, I can imagine, John. You are living the the tennis lifestyle in the thick of it right now. And how is your betting going? I know you know we have we're about to go into what do we win what do we learn but you've been keeping us abreast of your your bankroll here at the top of the show and I'm curious uh, we haven't really talked this week how things are going
1: the last week and a half has been and I mean in five years with the volume I bet tumultuous is an understatement for any season or any like small window within said season the last week and a half is. Easily the most kind of volatile I've ever seen it. I took a couple of days off to start the week. I only bet uh, two things yesterday, the ones I wrote up for betting expert. And I don't, and uh, two things on Monday, what I wrote up for betting expert uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, right? I was like, no, I'm done with um, pretty much everything else for a couple of days because I had a couple of days that were just magnificent and then a huge pullback over, uh, Three and four losing days with the one winning day not being uh, not being the biggest. So, yeah, it's. I mean, that's this industry, right? It's up and down. And as I always say, or the twenty twenty four mantra at the very least, don't be afraid to lose bets. So keep firing. Maybe it needs a couple days when the if the volatility is hitting you. Sure, take it off. Don't be irresponsible, but get back up and, uh, and and start firing again.
0: Yeah, I had a horrible day yesterday, so I'm glad we didn't record until today. <laughs> And I didn't have a recording of all my bad picks. I think I went like three and six yesterday. You know, it's funny. uh, I was talking about this um, in the chat, but I was pretty sure Mickelson was going to beat Kakonakis, And I really liked the price because it was pick. I was like, I should have treated it like the Hawaii game. You you know that thing in betting? Like Hawaii is like the last out because they're always like the last game of the day.
1: It's like 11 Eastern. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: I was like, I should have treated that Mickelson match like the Hawaii game. Just... Tried to get it all back or just double down the loss when <laughs> this match of the day. Yeah. But it was a nice that's the, for me. By the
1: way, that's the downside to the uh, taking days off. Because the two things I liked most yesterday were Spida and Mickelson, right? And not only because you got medium-slow courts in Delray, which we'll touch on in a second. And Kokonakis is just, he looks terrible outside of his serve plus one forehand now. And I, I'm not huge on personal in, in those conditions. And of course, not only do I not bet them because I'm taking my day off, so you, you don't really tilt over not betting it, but because you're still l- like the fact that you had the right read, that it wasn't really a pick. But I had to watch it too, <laughs> right? So like I'm sitting there watching these bet- these non-bets play out exactly how I had anticipated with no money on them and they both would have won. But that's, that's life. And you know, you, like I said, instead of tilting over not making the money, you're happy over the fact that you did it's a little bit of confirmation by Assure, but you're happy over the fact that you had the right kind of read on how the, the match would play out in those specific conditions and why the price was wrong, and then it, it happens. It's it's kind of, it's a little reaffirming, so I, I chose to take the positive rather than the negative.
0: Well, let's go over our positive and negative from last time out, and what did we win? What did we learn? Wins in Marseille. Zhijun Zhang was our Moneyline rollover. And he cashed two tickets, including a massive plus 300 ticket versus Felix FAA before losing to Hachanoff. So if you rode that train, you got a couple nice wins. Uh, we talked about davidovich money Moneyline at minus 150 range versus Gregor Barrer. Cash that. Fokina boned me yesterday. One of those six losses. Thanks, Fokina. Cordoba, Roman, Burichaga, money Moneyline versus Schwartzman. Got real sweaty. But uh, got over the line. I talked about him as a potential rollover. He had it 4-4 in the third set versus Hoffman, but couldn't get over there. Frustrating. I did bet him again there. Uh, in Dallas, we talked Rinky Hachikata money line versus Ethan Quinn. That was a no-sweat cash. John also talked James Duckworth money line versus Spida, who we liked yesterday. Faded him in this spot and got a dub. Losses uh, in Marseille. We chased Contant Halise set one money line into to versus FAA not to be Halise stays bad and that guy's he's lost in the woods a bit Cordoba Christian Carvine money line versus uh, Zapata man he was up a set and a break I think it was like four or two just. Gassed out, couldn't get there. That was a frustrating loss, to be honest. Uh, Mariano Navoni versus RCB. He also choked that out in the third. Uh, Altmaier versus Coria. Federico Coria is just on an absolute heater. And not much else to say. Just don't fade that guy right now. Although we might coming up talk about it.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> you know me too well. <laughs> I was just going to jump in now. Don't you say that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dallas talked, uh, Kovacevic versus Dominic Kepfer. Kepfer, an annoying wall. Started out, Dallas could not be broken. And not only was he annoyingly unbreakable, his match-winning shot versus Kovo was equally annoying. Lobbed it over his head and it, like, kissed the line to close out that match. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. You got that in. Uh think- stunt. If
1: not, they didn't even clap for like thirty, for like ten seconds. Like, wait, is the match over now?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. It was annoying. All right, well, that was it, John. That was last week. Uh, so let's move on to this week. Let's start in Rotterdam. Uh, they're still playing right now. FAA was up a break as we started recording. It still is against Rublev. So a little bit of a timestamp as we record here, so you know where we are. Uh, this long-standing ATB 500 event has been played since 1972. Indoor hard here, but traditionally slow speed and that's what we're seeing play out again this week wouldn't you agree John
1: yeah it's not it's not any quicker this year at least from what I've watched I haven't watched a ton of Rotterdam I'm not gonna lie to you waking up a little later enjoying the late mornings going on more walks in the morning and then settling in for Del Rey and, and Buenos Aires but I have seen a few matches or at least parts of a few matches and it's it, it ain't faster than it normally as I'll tell you that
0: yeah I agree there was a bit of a break fest and a rally fest even though it was a bit of a lopsided uh, scoreline between Demonor and Gafin today. thought that was a pretty indicative uh, match in terms of the conditions. Big headline so far, Milos Ronic into his first quarterfinal since 2020, beating Bublik, who won Montpellier. I assume Bublik, well, I mean, Ronic just, I didn't see that match, so he just could have beat him, but Bublik also won some money, so he's probably set for a while. <laughs> Demonor, uh cashed an under 20.5 for me versus Gafin. To reach the quarterfinals. So those two guys are in. Quarterfinals are ready. Runa outlasted Roman Sophilian, who crashed from plus 145, plus 150 range to plus 115 on the money line uh, from open. Runa pulls through in three. Frustrating for Sophilian betters. Bruce Savori uh, moves to 5 0 head to head versus Marseille champ Hugo Umber. Ah, that was a tough one. I was on Umbert there. Broke first in the third. Another 5 5 breaker loss for me, too, in, in the first set. Frustrating. Uh, Greek sport, Musetti played a lively match that saw the home countrymen pull through in dramatic comeback fashion in three sets. And uh, there will be a new champ here since no Daniil. uh likely Yannick Sinner, who returned to action today, his first since the AO, and dusted Bodic once again. Thanks for coming out, Bodic. John, let's talk about some matches here. We have some on the board. Grigor Dimitrov, who annoyingly. Another breaker I lost came in and won 7 4 in the first set. I had the Sinego set one money line plus 230. Of course, he wins the breaker 7 4. Frustrating. Uh, he takes on Marton Fucevic in a rematch uh, from the AO. They're playing for the fifth time, 2 2, and they're head to head. Dimitrov is minus 350 on the money line. Fuchevich is plus 275 as the dog here. Fuchevich picked up a straight set win versus Fabian Marichon yesterday he likes Rotterdam Fuchovic former finalist total 22 here Grigor like I said got it out a nice straight set win versus Sinago. played a lot of tennis though recently
1: yeah this one is, has come down from around plus 340 earlier about an hour and a half before we were recording actually I was gonna make a, a case for Fuchovic at that plus 340 number at, um where it is at pinnacle now below plus 260 I'll probably leave it alone I mean that's it seems like a really big jump, but honestly, when you talk about percentages in those in those ranges, it's not that like massive of a jump. But it's still enough to to move me off of a play there, which is fine by me. Not fading Grigor in twenty twenty four is something I can live with. <laughs> the way he's been playing, yeah, I thought I, I did fade him with Sinego as well. I had the plus one and a half sets with Lorenzo. I, I kind of like Lorenzo's game on a on a medium slow indoor hard court. Whether or not he's had success in the past, he sh- he should profile decently. Right, he's got the first serve, and he's not going to be as rushed as he would be on a lower bouncing, like on, on Australian hard court or something like that, where his serve will play up there as well. But he doesn't really need it to play up; it, it's strong enough on its own merits. And then you get him on a slower hard court, and perhaps that does help him um, from the baseline with with timing issues. So I kind of like that aspect of it. Held his own, L- literally held his own for I think the entirety of the first set. Or did he have? No, he had to recover one break in the first. But I think he got to two-all or three-all in the second before finally being broken there. Um, I thought he, he did a decent job. And now it's kind of a, the an opposite kind of matchup where Fuchovic is probably going to need to break once or twice a set if he wants to win one of them, right? Because, I mean, Dimitrov has been returning fairly decently. He's one of the last kind of vestiges of a guy who can re- return decently with a one-handed backhand. The young kids that try and play with them now, just are such liabilities not so for Dimitrov. Decent ability to slice that backhand as well. Obviously a great serve. Pretty athletic dude for his size. I think, you know, you're, you're starting to see why the hype train was there for him for so, so long with his play of late. So I'll go ahead and leave it now at a plus 360. Should it venture back up or plus 260, pardon me. Should it venture back up uh, over plus 320? I'll probably have a, a, another look at it. But for now, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and pass.
0: Vucevic was lucky to have the double break in the first set that he won versus Dimitrov at the Australian Open. We were on the set one money line there. At least I were. I don't know if we talked about him in the pod. I know we mentioned him in our preview show as a potential uh, dog bomb. Did get that first set uh, before not sniffing another set. And even though I know Rotterdam is you know, a, a lively place for Fucevic. I mean, you can get Dimitrov to win in straight sets at minus 115. That would be my my lane here, man. I mean, Fucevic, I, I just can't get there with him. I Honestly, I faded him with Marishan. Uh, Marishan uh, couldn't get there for me, but I thought the sharper play. I mean, Fucevic is like breaking it like an 18% clip on hard over the last 52. Dimitrov, I'm not, I can't fade him. I feel like I definitely don't want to fade to me dropping the spot. As, as sexy of a dog as Fuchovic is. All right, that's my lean. I don't know if I want to play again, but that would be my lean. Okay, John, Holger Muna is back. Mentioned he'd be civilian today. He is minus 325 on the money line, plus 260 for Alexander Shevchenko, who also picked up a nice round one win. The spread is four here. Uh, total is 22. Are we getting a bit carried away here? With Runa bet all the way down to minus 130. Now he's minus three twenty-five the next match out. I I feel like so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm you know I'm a big Chevchenko guy too, especially as a large underdog. He, he's he's kind of entering that dogger pass territory, right? You know, you know what it reminds me of in a way is Zizu Bergs. Not not in the same way because Bergs, I think, is obviously a lot more physically imposing, like has a little more raw power. And his issues are more health related um, than than erratic kind of play related, right? He just loses steam on court after a set and a half, like with like freakishly freakish regularity, which is not good. But here, that's what Shevchenko reminds me of. When you see him as a huge underdog, I almost took Bergs on a ladder first set overs against Rublev for that reason. He can play one set against a lot of players, like he's got the talent to stick with you. And then what's what happens in the second? He gets run off the court. Bergs is actually he is your guy now. I'm going to pass him over to you because you become the set one money line guy. That's Zizou Bergs in a nutshell. He is the perfect underdog for that exact market. But Shevchenko's another guy. Look, when he's a heavy underdog, he's going to int- he's going to be enticing because he's athletic. He's got a aggr- he's got an aggressive nature. He can play across surfaces. He's got um, the-, the rally tolerance obviously isn't there, but he's got a ton of raw talent. And Runa still had that retirement in his last event. He still had, you know, a pretty poor set against Safulin. This, to me, I would never take the plus games with Shevchenko because he does win a lot of close sets, get blown out in a lot of sets he loses. It's becoming almost a norm with him. This is more of an over plus money line uh, kind of deal rather than a plus games and money line. Or even a plus sets would make sense. You can get it minus 112 at pinnacle uh, just to win a set. I'd probably look into both those things. I mean, like I said, you've got the talent. You've got the ability to play across surfaces. Those are two things you want when, when backing a big underdog. And you've also got the fact that Runa, it's no longer a a trend without context. He does have dips within matches far too often. The forehand gets really loose sometimes. And the serve is not unbreakable. He had worked it up. If you remember a couple of years back in that late season run was it 2022, I believe into the start of 2023 when he was just on that absolute tear, ran his way into the top 10, looked like it was a lock for our season-long futures, and then nearly, nearly screwed them over at the end of the year because he had just fallen off a cliff. But you saw that serve really dominating from the late season run into Australia. And that has just, I don't know if it's regressed or if there's been a physical issue. We know his arm has been hurting him quite a bit this year. Perhaps that's a carryover from um, last year and he hasn't taken enough time off to let it really recover. I don't know what it is, but we've seen dips in form and the serve is no longer unbreakable. He is someone that is fadeable at this point for me. And and to get someone that is A, talented, and B, okay on the surface, like Shevchenko, uh, seems like a perfect candidate to do that with.
0: Uh, these two played a three-set match uh, to start off the year in Brisbane. Runa won 6-4, and then Shevchenko won the second set 7-5 before Runa pulled through 6-2 in the third. Uh, in conditions that I think would uh, suit the Dane, I would I would think Rotterdam would would suit Shevchenko's game a bit more here, wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, I think if you ask both of them, they both prefer slower surfaces. But where I would agree with you is that I think the the delta between quick and slow surfaces for Shevchenko mean like is different from Runa's. Right, Runa can probably play on quicker courts a little more with a little more ease or, or like less of a of a tough transition than for Shevchenko. See, I'd agree that coming onto a slower court benefits him a bit more. Uh, but like I said, I think both are, are pretty natural on slow surfaces.
0: You can still get Shevchenko to win a set at minus 115. I think that is a play for me. All right, John, next on the board, we have QB Herkesh taking on Talon Greek Spore. Greek Spore is plus 195. I assume you can get a little bit more. That's on Bovada. I assume he's in the plus. Yeah, plus 204 on Bet online. QB is minus 240-ish. As the favorite, game spread is two and a half here. That looks like it's actually three. an Expensive two and a half here to lay with Hubie at minus one thirty. Totals at twenty four, so ticked up finally here. The previous two had been around twenty two, and now these guys are up to twenty four. Greek Spore, like I said, had to. I mean, he Houdini escaped that match versus Musetti. Not surprised he got through. Kind of vindicative of Greek Spore's year so far. He had to do that twice, I believe, already. Uh, to pick up his few wins this year versus sophilian and Feast at the AO, got worked over by Kazo in the next match out, got worked over by Rude at United Cup. Hubie obviously has had it rolling a bit before getting upended by Umber last week. What's your thoughts on this one, John?
1: I haven't been fading Hubie as much this year, and I think, you know, when I look at the 2024 data, I'm happy about it. It's a small sample. That being said, it's a sample where... He's been pretty dominant. His break percentage is up near 20%. And, like, that's not great. But for him, when it's usually in that 15 to 17% range, those extra percentage points are huge. Consider the fact that his serving this year is somehow even better than it was last year, so far. it pro- Like I said, it probably won't in- end up there. There will be a bit of regression. I think there was against Umber. You're going to get to Indian Wells, where it's slower. You know what I mean? So there are going to have – those numbers will probably come back down a bit. But when you're going, like, 90-20 – for a whole break of 110. It's really tough to fade a guy like that. And I'm glad I haven't. Now, that day off for Greek sport is big because that against Muzetti, two tie breaks, a three-set match. Knowing how Muzetti wants to prolong points, you're going to be near three hours. And I looked it up. It, it was about two hours, 56. So for all intents and purposes, a three-hour match. And I'm tempted by Greek sport here at plus 200. The plus three, I mean, even the plus three, considering how big Greek Spore's game is, and the fact that, yes, her catch, like I said, break percentage up a bit, still not at a great number overall. Even in slower conditions, I'm cons- I'm actually considering a plus three, and you know how often I ever play plus game spreads below four. Like, absolutely never. And this is kind of like the outlier where I'm considering it. I- I- I'm a big fan of Greek Spore's game, always have been. I think the return really needs work. But outside of that, he's got the aggressiveness he's got the serve he's got enough to get around the court decently yeah he came back from a set down against Fields but he won it in four he came back from two sets down against a very good Sefiu in, in quick conditions he beat you know both Hughesler and Reedy who can be really tough on an indoor hard court in Netherlands now they were using courts there at home during the Davis Cup that were classified as medium slow to medium and I think they did that on purpose knowing the Swiss had a, like a penchant for really taking advantage of quick courts. And so you're not playing outdoors in, in in that time of year in the Netherlands, but uh, you can move indoors and still slow down the hard courts you're on, which which gives your your team a better chance, and and that's what they did. But still, good wins. I mean, plus plus two hundred just seems like a bit much for a match that should be super serve oriented, and as a result, might play out a little closer. I just I don't like laying a ton of juice in those in those scenarios.
0: These two played three times last year, uh, two and one uh, to the poll, uh, but all three matches went to a deciding set. So uh, to your point of plus 200 seeming like a, a bit much, history says these are two guys that play tight matches. Now that doesn't mean they necessarily have to this time out, uh, but you could say Hubie's a little bit better on return than before, at least trending up. Greek spore maybe a little bit of regression on return uh, but i don't think much has changed between these two nor do i feel like they're either or either one of them are strategists <laughs> so uh, i assume they will just play their games uh, so uh, yeah I, I expect this to be a tight match once again so i am in agreement john i like the the Greek Spore money moneyline play here i like the over oh you got 23 and a half still at minus 115 i like that QB overs were still good last time out versus Laheshka. What about a set one money? Oh set one money line. Oh, it changed as it went down from plus one eighty to plus one seventy five since we started talking about this match. Let's keep it moving, John. Any other Rotterdam plays you like here or you want to keep it going?
1: Are we getting a little carried away with having stroof now up over plus one sixty to Emil Roussevori? Yes. I could, get, I could make a case that that's a, that's a little much for a guy like Bruce Rory. He's not the greatest returner, not the most tactical player. Uh, it actually reached 176 at some point. So um, whoever the hell knocked that down by 15, 20 cents, good job. I would have loved to be that person uh, at around, what, what was it? It's saying here about 1240-ish. Uh, no, it was just a couple hours, about an hour, about 15 minutes ago, actually. So never mind. Um, good on you, but... Yeah, I still think over plus 160 is a little bit much here. Uh, Struff has a big enough serve, big enough weapons. Has, like, like I said, another guy that, that will probably benefit from having a bit more time with slower courts, especially against the Rusu ball striking. I'm still not convinced Rusu is that great in medium, slow to slow conditions. He beats Umber, who was off of a long week. They split the first two sets that were super tight. He lost to Davidovich Volkina. Um, a week ago in Marseille, where I believe things weren't as quick as they were in the past. a um, Little bit of a higher bounce. I'm not like, I mean, in quick conditions, sure. That Hong Kong run, very impressive. Really pushed Medvedev, won the first two sets there. That Kipson win is aging out really well, to be honest, in the first round. It looked horrible at the time, needing four sets and a fourth set tie break to get it done. But geez, you see Kipson's game and you really understand that that is not going to be an easy task on quicker courts. I'm still not sold by uh, by Rusevori in slower conditions, and I know that Struff can play across quicker and slower uh, conditions, right? So uh, I think plus 160 is a bit much there.
0: I totally agree. Rusevori at m- over minus 190 as a favorite. I mean, that's an auto-fade for me. He's a true dogger pass guy, uh, especially after watching uh, the Fokina-Struff match. Struff was in full scammer mode, uh, so I expect... Uh, him to create zero breakpoints and uh, win a bunch of tiebreak sets and pull this out. <laughs> or, or win the one breakpoint he generated and save eight of them.
1: Yep. Oh, gosh. That's the that's the Struffian way.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, John. Well, let's pivot to Buenos Aires. The Golden Swing is still happening. Cordoba finished with the a final featuring two qualifiers. Dadari pulled it out. And uh, now we have return to sea level after some elevation last week and we are seeing some more traditional slow clay play a big headline so far Dusan Lajovic is on a heater beating Buzzy Young Gun Feast in straight sets and now today besting Alejandro Tubilo aka Stilo in three Tomas Martin Echeverry seems to be rounding into form after dusting RCB and Galan in straight sets to reach the quarterfinal so we got two of those both those guys in the quarterfinal Quarterfinals are ready. Reigning champ Carlitos Alcaraz returns to action tomorrow, and let's kick it off with that match. Is as as I have already laid the five and a half games versus Ugo Carabbehi, uh, John. Let's get into this one because I know we were we were talking about it a bit before we hit record here. So
1: where do you trouble Alcaraz? Anywhere, but y- y- usually quicker courts. That's typically where he he struggles a bit more. When he does struggle, late season we see that right in in the Asian swing. Uh, somehow, like one Wimbledon, which is amazing, but look on on slower courts, it's going to be tougher. And the second part of it is, yes, it's his first clay match. You're gonna, I'm sure you're going to see that in any handicap that includes a play on Caribay. Okay, guarantee you, it's Alcaraz's first match on clay of the season. To me, that just doesn't push me off a minus five and a half because one. It's probably the biggest mismatch you'll find on the ATP tour this season. You have got a mid-level yes. Challenger Tour player with no weapons. This guy is, he does well in South America. You put him at a European clay court Challenger. He will be out in the second round as often as he will go deep, okay? This is truly the most talented, probably the most talented gifted player in the world against one of the least talented and gifted players you'll see on the ATP Tour this year. So start there. Right, just from a talent standpoint. Secondly, matchup wise, if you want to trouble Alcaraz, you need to force, unfor- you need to basically either force errors or quote unquote force unforced errors. Give him less time. The courts are not going to help with that. These are the slowest conditions in the world or on the tour, right? sea level clay in Buenos Aires. Secondly, Carabay Keb- has zero power, zero weapons. Can he track down a lot of Alcaraz's shots and maybe try and wait out an error or two? Sh- sure. But that's not typically where Alcaraz becomes erratic. It's more so last year during this time, the only guys who came close to beating him were what? Nico Jari, obviously uh, you know, big power game, regardless of surface, can rush you. And then Cam Nori, because I think, you know, Alcaraz's thigh gave out, or actually, he was beating him anyway. But um, Cam Nori, obviously a, a much higher grade pusher than someone like Camilo Ubekare Bay. Though that's that's I believe that's those are the only two guys that really. Uh, troubled him. I don't see how Kerbe wins more than four or five games in this matchup. I truly think this needs to be six or six and a half. And the second part is when you're going to lay five and a half games, regardless of whether it's the men's or women's tour, but particularly on the men's side where, you know, it's much tougher to cover cover those bigger spreads. You're looking for the potential for a lopsided set, a six love, six one or six two. Because then your your second, your other set only a singular break and you're, you're covering. Right. This is again the perfect matchup for that to happen. There is all the potential in the world for Alcaraz to play at his, you know, at 75% of his best, and he's winning a set six, two, or six, three. If he at all gets near his best level in a set, he's winning at six one or six, two. This this does feel like a perfect time to lay five and a half. And I'm probably not gonna lay five and a half uh in a best of three match on the men's tour for a long time after this, but I will do it here. I, I make this six or six and a half.
0: Yeah, I think the bagels in play here. If he wins more than three games, I'll be generally shocked. Uh, now, now you say he doesn't have power. He obviously does not skip leg day, so I think he has a little more power than you're giving him credit. But I agree, he's not like um, overflowing with the power. Um, no,
1: Camilo's a pusher. Camila's—he's not a pusher to the Federico Coria extent, but he is still a pusher.
0: All right. Well, let's move it to—I I agree. I'm—I'm I'm, I'm laying the games too. Right, I bet that yesterday. Now let's talk about Coria because this guy is a menace. He's a pest. He won't lose no matter how many times you bet against him. (laughs) He is plus 180 as a dog. Cam Nori is minus 220 as the favorite here. Uh, Nori played this event last year, reached the final before losing to Alcaraz. Spread is three and a half, total 22 here. Are we finally going to have nice things and see Coria get shown the door
1: yes i mean i'd be stunned if not like you've met your match you met someone that can play not play tennis and run around a court for just as long as you can um but he does it at a higher level in cam nori right like coria i call these guys runners with rackets in their hands that's that's essentially what they are i cannot tell you how many times i've watched federico coria push the ball into the service box and not be punished for it or get it maybe six inches past that service, that kind of service line. It's wild to me how, how little depth he gets on, on so many shots and doesn't get penalized for. He is a runner with a rack in his hand. I'm sorry. There, there, there is just not enough tennis player there for me to trust him. And now, like I said, I think he's met his match here. So, you know, I'll be cheering on Cam I don't know if I'm it's three and a half right now. Kind of want to lay that. I I would make it four, so it's not the the value. You know, I'm not. I can't hammer away at it. Would I love to find enough value to to hammer away? Yes. Do I know it's probably going to be a, a small to standard play on Corey? Uh, Corey. No, on Nori minus three and a half. But but that's it for me. Nothing nothing too big here. We'll just root on Cam Nori to finally uh take out this overachieving, under talented, and underpowered Korea.
0: I was on Offner. On serve for the match. Now, he hadn't consolidated that many breaks in the match, but, I mean, come on, man. (laughs) Just hold one time and win. Oh. That was tilting, to say the least. This one's an interesting one, because uh, Andrea Vavasori is taking on Lazlo Zera. Vavasori is plus 130. Zera, minus 155 here. The spread is two. The total's at 22.5 here. Vavasori big server i believe correct yes that seems to be why this is lined uh, the way it is Uh sorry, more of a top end challenger guy bottom of atp tour uh, jera's a top non threatening to win Roland garros clay guy <laughs>
1: <laughs> great 250 player he's 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 so well positioned in 250s I
0: mean, deservedly, what, is he ranked like 35th or something? Deservedly so. Uh, I, I, I'm i failing to see why Zger is only minus 155 here, other than the potential for Vavasori to get a lot of holds. I, I to, Normally in this type of situation, I bring up the T word. That is trap. Uh, you don't believe in traps, uh, but this has... Uh, a trap sign written all over it.
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't believe Vegas traps us. I think there are trap spots for teams or players, right? Like, there could be emotional letdown spots. There can be underestimating your opponent spots. Absolutely. I don't believe Vegas traps us and goads us into betting shit. Um, But, like, yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm on Jerry here. I don't care. I know what Vavisori's strengths are. He's not even a high-end challenger guy. That's the crazy part about this. Okay, yeah. Like... But but he but he maintains a ranking that where like he's always qual he qualifies into slams, which I think is worth forty points on its own. He won a couple uh, rounds, I think, at the U.S. Open last year. Did he win a round in Australia this year? He's now again made that second round here, I believe, as a qualifier, and he just randomly shows up on the ATP tour or at the at the high levels, like qualifies and makes a run or two a year, and then goes down and he'll lose. The- he's he's a serve and volleyer at the challenger level. Uh, it, it's wild to me. His game is very simple, very rudimentary. And I feel like this is the perfect spot to oppose him. You've got a, a, a guy like Jerry, who is one much, much better all round uh, Two, he's well positioned to deal with the guy. You know, if you're a young player or, or if you're a player like Tiago Montero who is coming off a super long match in qualities the day prior, and you're playing Vevasori, um, perhaps like that, just the weight of shot or the pace coming at you is just going to wear you down, which it did. But if you're a very young player, you don't know how to deal with his kind of unorthodox style. That that can also be tough. But Lazlo Jerry's not in that bucket. He's far more talented, far more well rounded, a decent enough returner, and just a much better player overall. For for me to he's down to minus one forty five now at Pinnacle. Wild to me. Wild. I, I mean, I don't care if I lose that bet. Like I said, hashtag Don't be afraid to lose bets. That's the model for twenty twenty four. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet that. I'm probably gonna bet it fairly big.
0: Yeah, I, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> so I'm a little suspect, uh, but I, I mean, maybe I am overthinking. I do think Jaras to play here. I mean, if you yeah. get Vavasori, good on you. I mean, Jair's 8-2 and two in his last 10 clay matches, including wins over Kachin, Vilge, Musetti, Echeverry, Zhang. I mean, these are like quality tour players. I mean, he's his two losses were to team, okay, Zverev, beat Chilich. Took three sets, but I mean, I, I think I did bagel in the third set. I think Chilis does have some game left, too. I'm in agreement. Uh, all right, John, we have one more to talk about here in Buenos Aires. Sebastian Baez, minus 165 favorite versus Luciano Dadari off the quarterback win, who's plus 135. Game spread is two and a half, total 22 and a half here. Dadari, I thought it might be a letdown spot last time out versus Navoni, who... Can be one of those marathon runners with a racket in his hand, but uh, he was completely dismantled by Dadari. I, I, but I still kind of lean Baez in this spot. Baez, I think, has played his way down here a bit. Certainly accomplished more than Dadari so far on the red dirt.
1: Yeah, and I'm surprised, actually. It was Baez lost to him in Cordoba He was the only one that kind of challenged that first serve a little bit, too. That was a three-setter. Um, and Ardery had been winning like 80 or 70, 80, 85% of first serve points in that kind of slight elevation. And he only, he won fewer than 60% against Baez. So like Baez was able to, to get a little more uh, rhythm against that first serve. And now he's going to have slower conditions to work with. That was a three set win. I do think coming down out of that um, slight altitude does favor Baez more. I think he's got a bit more natural um, ability to dictate, at, you know, in slower conditions on the forehand. Darderi, not quite like his compatriots uh, in the same, I think, age. Uh, kind of, what do you call it? Strad- sphere, right? Your Cabolis, your Gigantes. Those guys, ha- those guys do take hacks, Arnaldi. I think we know that those guys have all translated their success to hard courts because they do have the big aggressive mindset and the power. It was just a timing issue with them on hard courts. I don't think Dardary is quite there in terms of that ability to translate um, his success. I do think asking a young kid to back up a long week and beat a veteran ATP tour player like Baez twice in two weeks is, is a tall task. I do think that the shift in conditions favors Baez and you've got a recency bias here that, you know, you're seeing Baez um, did get bet early he opened at minus 125, believe it or not, uh, at Pinnacle, which is a wild number. But I think the market has picked up on like, whoa, one win does not change the fact that this is still someone that is a, a tier two above Dardare. And they bet him to to the minus 150 range. I don't know if that's enough. I'm I i still I'm still considering uh, laying the games in that spot uh, with Civita Baez.
0: I lean Baez here uh, to upend the young Italian. End this hot streak. I'll probably just do the money line, though. All right, John, let's move to ATP Delray. You've been covering this event this week for Tennis Forum. Slower outdoor play after the quick indoor play of Dallas here in the U.S. and A. U.S. of A.
1: I was going to say you're American, bro. I'm American.
0: <laughs> I should know that. <laughs> we have Alex Mickelson, who cashed for me, taking on Tommy Paul. He is plus 220 as a dog. Paul is minus 275. Here's the favorite. Three and a half game spread 22 is the total. Both of these guys will be playing next to a car on the court, uh, the Delray features. <laughs> As I said in our chat, I don't think that's as cool as Delray thinks it is. (laughs) It's definitely not. Seems like kind of a safety issue, but there it is year after year. John, I got to say, I really like Alex Mickelson in this spot here at plus 220. I I think Tommy Paul is going to airmail this one. This this has a Tommy dump written all over it.
1: He did this last year in Delray. Was it to Albot last year?
0: It was right around, someone... It's always
1: around this time, too. Right around the uh, the NBA All-Star break. We'll get to that in a second, because I do think that very narrative-y, but it's going to play into a certain match coming up um, with an out-of-form player, American, that we'll talk about uh, coming up for, for the weekend. But I, I'm i with you, man. I, I'm seeing a plus 245 out there for Mickelson. One, when I'm again, when I'm fading a player off a long week, I just... It's not even the motivation spot, but it's there. Like, the motivation spot works for you, fading Tommy Paul rather than against you. So it's not something I'm relying on or banking on, but it is absolutely something I agree with. I don't know if Tommy's going balls to the wall for a second consecutive 250 title. I just, I don't see it. That said, I don't think you need you don't even need that angle. I think Mickelson has a strong enough game. Tommy Paul doesn't really overpower you with anything. And that's not the greatest... Um, you kind of want to have some pop to hit through someone like Mickelson, who is very good uh, at kind of grinding in and out of corners, shot making, his ability to hit down the line off both wings, like very creative, clever player. When he adds a bit more muscle mass and starts hitting bigger, watch out. I think that's why so many people have high hopes for him, because he doesn't have that kind of weapon or that, that natural raw power yet. But he's tall enough that if he can add some weight and add a bit more uh, oomph to his swing, he can certainly get there. But I don't think Tommy's hitting through him. I don't know how motivated Tommy is. I think Mickelson is a very good player and too good of a player to be plus 250. So it kind of checks all the boxes uh, for the Mickelson uh, money line backing here.
0: Yeah, if you don't want to go all the way to the money line, you know certainly a set one money line play I think is is worthwhile here. Taking a a set, to win a set is only minus 130. I mean, it's it's not terrible. Uh, So, yeah, set one is plus 170. A lot lot to like here in this match. I mean, Tommy Paul strolled out of Dallas in a a cowboy hat, cowboy boots. Seemed to be enjoying himself. Is the fire there? (laughs) At these numbers, I'm willing to uh, take a shot that the buyer is not. Uh, And as John just mentioned, Mickelson uh, looked good last time out. Certainly a guy who's going to be tenacious on the court, time in and out. Big opportunity for him at this smaller event. Uh, Okay, John. Jordan Thompson, minus 450 against Nicolas Moreno de Albaran. It was plus 350 as a dog. Moreno cashed a ticket for me in qualifying versus uh show. And he was picking that one. 22 here. He also picked up a, a huge dog win last time out. Kova and Kobley Co- was the big dog spot he won. To qu- to, was that in qualification?
1: Yeah, he's uh Kobley got in as a lucky loser yesterday at the last minute.
0: Yeah, so certainly some positivity happening uh, for the American in the spot. Although Thompson completely dismantled Don Evans uh, last time out. Uh, And Thompson, I think, honestly, as a guy I used to think stinks, and I no longer think he stinks. I think he's a pretty solid two-a-pro at this point. At least played his way into a a pretty tough out, especially on uh, a hard court. But are the odds a bit too far here, John?
1: No, I, I don't think so. Look, as well as he served against Kovacevic, he really did pick on the backhand wing too. And that's something that, like I said, with the young guys or younger guys that play with that one-handed backhand, it's going to be a big weakness. And it was. And he just kept going back there and back there. And as even Kovacevic started to time it up a little bit better, you saw him have to you know, get through some deuce games and save some break points down the stretch in the second set. And I'm just not complete I think he came back from 5-2 down, if I recall correctly as well. Perhaps that was someone else um, that, that saved it from going three sets in a second set tiebreak. I'm not... I can't exactly remember which match I'm, I'm thinking you know, There's been so many the last couple of weeks. But I, I thought Kovacevic really started to come back a bit um, into that match. Had he won the second set, I do think he wins that match the way it had been going. Thompson's a much better returner. Obviously, he doesn't have a glaring weakness to serve at. And even the plus one balls from Rano de Alba ran decently located a lot of it heavy topspin and not a ton of power generation on them though. I'm just not sold that that's good enough against someone like Jordan Thompson, who by the way, is going to serve very well in his own right. This is just two different guys um, in two different tiers of, of talent. And yeah, I don't think that uh, Mariano de Alba has the kind of weakness to exploit against Thompson that he's going to need to pull off any kind of big underdog win.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I want to play the four. It looks like it's almost four and a half at this point. Uh, so I think I'm just going to pass on that match. Now let's move on to the American, who I believe you are going to fade uh, ahead of All-Star Weekend for the National Basketball Association. Uh, and that's Francis Tiafo. He's minus 350 versus Radu Albot, who's plus 275. The spread is 4. Total is 22 here. Uh, Big Foe uh, gave one of the most, I don't know, pathetic, um, lackluster, um, disgraceful performances I've ever seen an ATP Tour player give versus Marcos Giron. Um Do I say that because I ended up betting Tiafo when it fell under minus 150? yes <laughs> doesn't make it untrue doesn't make no, it doesn't true it um, was
1: that was an embarrassing performance uh I, that it was embarrassing uh i'll just use i'll keep it at that adjective uh before I get myself in trouble that was it was bad um I, I, did, what makes you anyone want to trust tiafo at this point I have no clue. I mean, Albot is the guy who makes you work. He makes you play a ton of balls. He doesn't have a ton of natural power, but we saw what happened with Jerry Shung in the first round. He really, you know, Jerry just had to go for smaller and smaller targets and started missing more and more and more. And it led to a comeback. Tiafla's return game is kind of a little vulnerable as well, right? Like Radu Albot is not a big server, not a tall dude, not someone with a lot of power, but Francis isn't that great on return. And his his foot speed right now, he looks like a shell of himself. And then you get, the, get to the fact that, what, festivities start Friday night for the NBA All-Star Weekend. And I never go into these kinds of narratives. But knowing Francis, you really think that he's going to be skipping All-Star Weekend to capture 250 in Delray? I'd love to see it, actually. I don't mind losing this bet because if he were to show, like, yeah, I'm going to go right till Sunday and, and win a title in Delray Beach to get back on track, that would be really cool. And I think, you know, that would would prove a lot to the world, but we've had these narratives around him becoming friends with NBA stars and maybe that leading to people questioning his his commitment uh, on the court. And this is obviously a chance for him to prove that wrong. I'm just not so sure he's going to do it. Not for a 250. If this was Acapulco, maybe it's different. If this is Indian Wells, maybe that's different, but... At Delray, I'm just, I'm not sold on it. And yeah, that's thats going to affect my handicap. I rarely let it do that. But if you're not moving your numbers a tiny bit for the fact that you know that he's going to want to be at those festivities and a win here keeps him from at least missing Friday, possibly even more, like possibly into the Saturday um, events as well, then, then you're nuts in my opinion. I think you have to consider that. Uh, and, and then you've also got the fact that, look, Albot is a nasty opponent anyway. Even putting that, that narrative aside, Tiafo's in horrible form. He looks a, a tad slow. Albot works the court very, very well. So if Tiafo is finding it tough back and forth constantly and cover that ground, this is not a guy you want to play. Albot's also had success here. This is his only ATP career title. Yeah, Radu Albot has won a title that came here a few years back in Delray Beach, one of those titles you'll never, ever forget as a tennis better or tennis fan because, I mean, it's his only one and he'll never win one again, I, would, I wouldn't I would think. But he does play well in Delray. He's he's just fine here. Um, he can play for long, long periods of time. I don't think he's ever really minded the heat. I think his game is is well positioned to play in wind, and it's been windy all week there because he doesn't hit into small targets where the wind can carry it out. He kind of plays with a lot of margin, which works well in altitude and works well in wind. There's a lot of reasons to like Albot here, both because Tiaf was in horrible form and because his own game is kind of well positioned to exploit a guy that's in horrible form, making a ton of errors and not really returning all that well right now. So I think there's a lot of reasons. And it's not to mention you're getting plus 313 at Pinnacle. I'm not doing this if it's plus 150. I'm not doing this if it's plus 175. But we're talking over plus 300. I mean that's a different kind of beast now. I don't I don't really need to 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 win this all that often to profit on bets like this. And this is one of the very very good opportunities I think to take advantage. Win or lose, I, I'm I'm fine making this bet. Uh,
0: you can get plus three hundred on Bet Online. You can get plus two ten for the set one money line, which I think is a fabulous look. Uh, it's a set one money line truther. Uh, but two to one just for the first set. I think, yeah, Albot's already had support right here now tiafo did win a title here as well in 2018 so that's one of his three titles was did come from here um so wanted to mention that before we move on to a that the last match we're going to talk about uh, which i have a bet on already uh flavio Koboli, money line at minus 130 i bet yesterday versus Zach Sfida, my guy who i Mentioned in one of our preseason shows, I like to crack the top 100. Uh, a win here versus Koboli would we'll go a long way toward that. And I should be, you know, putting my money where my mouth is. Uh, but minus minus one third. Koboli, man, this guy's bested Jari at the AO. He's had a rockin' this year. I mean, my man Svita, I, I like him. Uh, certainly doesn't have the resume this year that Cobley does uh, at minus 130. Now, I know Cobley, um lost in qualifying to get in here, but still, think the odds are a little short here for the Italian.
1: Yeah, stinker of a first set against Taro Daniel, too, but, I mean, he's just so much more talented than Svada. He's got, like, all the weapons on the court. Slida's not going to have, like... His serve is not going to play up in the conditions. You're, it's windy and you're you're not getting help from from a relatively like a medium, slow, hard court. What's keeping him off of, or Cobley off of your serve? from? What's keeping him from applying pressure against your serve? And more importantly, how are you going to rush Cobley from the baseline? If you can do it, he will hit a ton of forced slash unforced errors. However, you know, the person scoring that scores it for that particular match, right? That's that's a little subjective, but you can absolutely rush him into errors is, is the point. Does Sveida have that game? Not to me. Great down the line backhand. We saw that against Purcell, but that was a match of two guys who were perfectly fine playing a lot of backhand rallies. And Sveida was just a bit more solid and hit that down the line shot in particular a little bit more effectively. Now he did hit the top of the, the, the net, the net tape, Plenty of times, and it landed on his side of the net, and there were errors in there as well. And Purcell does not have the firepower from the baseline that Koboli does. Now, he's got a better first serve, probably. But to me, this is a good matchup for Koboli. You're not going to be rushed from the baseline. You're you're on medium-slow court, so that also adds to the time you're going to have. You've got the best weapon on the court in your forehand in baseline exchanges. And Spida's success, a lot of it over the last seven, eight months, has come, you know, last summer on American soil at American challengers, which are notoriously weak relative to their counterparts in Europe. So yeah, there's a lot of reasons. I don't like this line being so close. I think Kobe should be a pretty clear favorite rather than a very slight favorite. And so for me, yeah, Kobe is absolutely the play in this matchup.
0: All right, John, well, we have reached the end of this episode. We've set it all for tomorrow's day of play. Uh, We'll see if we can get back later this week. Maybe, maybe not. If not, we will be back next week. Uh, It's been a bit of a struggle for us to get together. Had some stuff going on both sides here, but moving forward, uh, we should be more regular with uh, an episode at the start of the week and hopefully an episode later in the week as well. So sorry to the audience for not being here for you, but uh, looking to be there more for you moving forward as we have a huge month coming up with two 1000 events Uh, for john follow him at jared tweets tennis at Tibbetts tennis follow us at mp9 tennis do like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform until next time see you on the court